Welcome to the Thought Leadership Project, a podcast by Jay Harrington and Tom Nixon, exploring how lawyers can turn expertise into thought leadership and thought leadership into new business. Welcome back to another episode of the Thought Leadership Project podcast. I'm Jay Harrington. Tom Nixon is with me. Hi, Tom. Jay, the summer days are dwindling away already. They are. Yeah, we're getting there. Um, I, we were just chat- chatting about this off air, but uh, today is, is my wife Heather's birthday, and I have a. I definitely have an appreciation. I my my you know one of my quote unquote gifts to her today was to say, look, honey. I'm going to take care of everything. You just chill out, relax, like literally everything I'm going to take care of. And I'm, I'm already exhausted. I just sat down at the computer like 10 minutes ago, scrambling because uh, so I'm, I have a, definitely have a new appreciation today. I thought I did a lot uh, normally, but I, I, I must not because I'm, I'm exhausted by the whole process. And did, does your honey do list include uh, co-hosting a podcast? Yeah. Yeah. I snuck that one. In. <laughs> so, so in any event, um, we're uh, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna roll through this one today. Um, we are headed to the beach after this. So, in any event, um, so with that, let's introduce our guest today. Uh, so excited to have Jared Korea on the show today. Um, short intro: Jared is the CEO of Red Cave Law Firm Consulting. Uh, he's a lawyer himself, and through his consulting practice, he works with law firms around the world to improve their business management practice. He's also the COO of Gideon Software, which we'll talk about today and ask him some questions about which delivers chatbots built exclusively for law firms. Jared's a regular presenter for law firms, legal organizations, and legal software companies. And I'll add that he also writes for a number of publications, and you should check that out, including Attorney at Work, um, among others. So, Jared, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Um, sorry to get you in trouble with your wife, but yeah. this, I'll make it worthwhile. This will be a fun, like, half an hour that we spent together. All right. I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> I'm here to help. We can do this. We can do this. <laughs> we can get um, through this together. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and I don't think in your, uh, Jared, I didn't, in your bio, I didn't mention either that you are a uh, podcast host, uh, the uh, Legal Toolkit podcast. Yeah. Like, You've been doing that for how long now? Dude, I've had a podcast for 13 years. That's is- crazy. It's, it's insane when I think about it. People are like, how long have you been podcasting? I'm like, since like 2006. Yeah. 14 years. 14 yeah. years. What speed, was your, what speed was your dial-up modem when you started? <laughs> Slow. 14, 14.4. We were, yeah, the podcast was originally conducted by uh, AOL Instant Messenger, but we've upgraded <laughs> the technology since then. <laughs> it's been a long road. Yeah, yeah. Talk about perseverance. That's great. Um, <laughs> And I've been on your podcast before, Jared, a couple times, I think. Um, always yeah. a pleasure. And we'll and bring you back. Watch out, yeah. everybody. Yeah, watch out. It's going to be a big one. Um, <laughs> I don't know. You probably don't remember this, but I do. When I was on your podcast last, uh, which was probably about two years ago, I think it was after my previous book came out, um, You a- first question you asked me was about Danny Ainge. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. Okay. <laughs> I, and and that that uh, tr- I triggered the memory triggered the other day when I was watching um, an episode of The Last Dance, you know, the documentary, and it was yes, the, the yes. Ainge episode, the, sort of the Celtics year two Jordan in the playoffs episode. So I thought about that. So I I'm wanted a to big start Celtics fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, w- I did. I was growing up until the Pistons uh, became good, and then there was the whole Bad Boys, uh, <laughs> and I shifted back. But um, but my dad was a my dad was an East Coast. Uh, East Coaster uh, growing up. I don't know if that's a term or not, but uh, so he was always a big Celtics fan, big Larry Bird fan. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
So what is what do you love about James Taylor to throw him back at you? Oh man, like James Taylor is my guy. So that James Taylor has been my favorite musician for forever. My dad's favorite musician was James Taylor. I have all the albums. He's just chill. Yeah. Like there's not a chiller guy on the planet than James Taylor. And I've actually met him a few times as well. And he's a good guy. Can I tell you a funny James Taylor story? Please do. do we have time. Yeah, so like sure. James Taylor doesn't know this. So hopefully I don't get arrested after this podcast. But um, so when I was in college, uh, my wife had a friend to find out where James Taylor lived. So I'm like, let's go, let's go check out his house. Right. So we're out in Massachusetts. He's out in Massachusetts. It's the middle of winter. We decide to drive by James Taylor's house. And then across the street from James Taylor's house is like a rock that's painted like a shark. And I'm like, that's really interesting. We should go take a look at that. And my wife is like, why? So I go drive past the shark rock and it's the middle of winter and my car gets like stuck and oh, we no. slide down what is like a 50 foot incline driveway. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. And now we are stuck in James <laughs> Taylor's driveway. He's not there. Fortunately, yeah. Yeah. so we call like the police and I'm like, hey, I'm stuck in the driveway. They're like, how'd you get here? I'm like, you're not going to believe it. And so we had to call a tow truck, salted the driveway, pulled us all the way back up. And then they had like a $500 bill from this town. So, oh, no. Yeah. I, I was surprised the police didn't say, were you checking out the shark rock? <laughs> <laughs> they weren't as interested in it. Okay. I'm like, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, close encounters is a celebrity kind, but okay. like. Yeah. If I may say, if you're if you're not somebody who listens to James Taylor regularly, check out the 1972 album One Man Dog. Okay, I have it yeah. on CD, uh, eight track, cassette, and also record. Fantastic, wow. fantastic album. So. Right. Well, Tom, I know you're going to have some James Taylor comment, so go ahead. Well, I'm a huge Yacht Rock fan, Jared. So mm. uh, I was spinning some Yacht Rock yesterday, and a Doobie <laughs> Brothers song came up on Spotify, yeah. and it was. Um, Minute by minute, I think it was no. It's taking it to the streets. Yeah. It, how? It, maybe you'll know. This is the wrong podcast, by the way, to be talking about this. But um, James <laughs> Taylor is, is, is is credited with the Doobie Brothers on taking it to the streets, and I can't find out why or how that would be. I think he's maybe on the background vocals. Okay, maybe that's it. I'll have to check. I'll have to Google that. But he does a lot of background vocal stuff. Um, Steve Winwood back in the High Life. Mm-hmm. With the back, that's James Taylor on background vocals Is as well. Yeah. And if yeah. you listen closely, it's pretty distinct. So yeah. I think I think that's the case. I'm not positive. Could be. All right. Boy, boy this is great. Like I thought we were going to talk legal stuff, but here we are. It's like VH1 behind the music. <laughs> Far more interesting. There you go. Totally. All right. Well, I guess we got to get into the legal stuff now. All but, right. Uh, all right. All right. This is the the Thought Leadership Project uh, Project Podcast. So um, so what? Let's talk. You know, uh, Jared among like just you know, being able to consult firms on how to run their practices better. You, you also have your finger on the pulse of like technology and software, um, kind of what's going on in the marketplace. Since we're talking, since we talk a lot about uh, content marketing and thought leadership on this podcast, what are some, I guess, are there some tools that you think um, work particularly well or, or like, I don't know, what is, what is thought, what is the, some of the content marketing software maybe or, or otherwise that um, you think is, is kind of interesting for, for lawyers to be thinking about right now? I, I'll tell you, like, I think it's a really good time to be a lawyer in the sense of the technology that's available and how inexpensive it is and how much of it is coming out quickly. So like um, I've kind of been formulating this notion that like this uh, recession pandemic 
the great time we're all experiencing right now, right? This is like going to give rise to the second wave of legal tech. Mm -hmm. The way I view it is like the first wave was like 08, 09 when that recession hit and everybody started adopting like cloud-based case management software. That was like a big thing. But then they only adopted case management software. And everybody's like, let's build out like 200 of these products because it seems to be working well. Now what I see is like a lot of differentiation in the products that are coming out through startups in legal tech. And I see a lot more marriage between marketing and technology than I had before. But if you look at the market, it's like wide open. There's really like just two viable legal CRMs, probably. All the content marketing management tools are non-legal specific. So you can use those tools, but I think there's a big opportunity for startups and the money that's coming into legal tech to kind of build these products out for lawyers in particular. And you're going to see things like more CRMs come out. You're going to see things like more marketing automation tools come out. And for lawyers who are now in a pandemic practice, like every, you know, this like it, most lawyers marketing is based on referral marketing, in-person marketing, like 90% of it. And now as you shift, you got to figure out a way to engage people online and convert them that way. So I think this is, there's about to be an explosion in like legal marketing tech yeah. and keeping your finger on the pulse of that is going to be really important. So, yeah, well, you know, Let's talk, and then Tom, I'll let you jump in. I don't want to uh, dominate here, but I, it seemed uh, an opportune time to talk about you, you're the software that you're working on and have rolled out to the marketplace, Gideon. Um, so I had the pleasure of kind of doing a, a test run of that um, a couple of days ago, and I thought it was really interesting. And so I guess I'll, I'll kind of introduce it briefly, but then I want just so our listeners can understand what it is. Um, and I have, you know, I, I didn't go, I did not go into it understanding chatbots well enough. Um, and I also didn't go into it understanding its application potentially to marketing as well. Like, you know, I had a basic understanding of what it was all about. So, so Gideon is a chatbot. Um, I will, it's for law firm specifically. And then mm-hmm. t- I'll turn it over to you to just talk a, a little bit about it. And then I have a couple follow-up questions on it. Yeah. Uh, so just briefly, chatbot is essentially chat, but without the live agent behind it. So scripted dialogues, um, including natural language processing and machine learning in some cases, where somebody comes to a website or other platform and essentially like has a scripted conversation that they go through. Um, In many ways, it's sort of like a live contact form, but then you can deliver calls to action. So you can schedule an appointment, um, you can send notifications to either party. And if you look at the way that consumers are looking at brands right now especially in legal like they want engagement and they want to be able to have that engagement happen quickly and legal consumers like they're very unaware of what lawyer services are i find so if i'm going to buy like a streaming service like if i buy disney plus i know what i'm getting all the content from disney like ever and i can click a button and turn it on if somebody is hiring a lawyer, hiring a lawyer, they have like no clue what a lawyer does. So getting some engagement, getting them to take a next step usually means that you're going to get the first bite of the apple to try and convert that lead. And that's why I think chatbots are really important in legal. And that's why we developed a chatbot. The other thing is that it's a less pricey alternative to live chat companies, which can get really expensive. Yeah. And a couple of things I thought were interesting about it was one, um, how it's really, you don't need, you, have, you don't really need to be technical to use it, um, which is, which is right. really cool. Um, so it's kind of no coding required. Um, and then 
also very customizable. Like you can, you don't just have one chat bot necessarily on your website or, or sequence of communication. You can have, you can customize it. And, and this is where kind of the tie in to me of to like content marketing comes in that I thought was interesting where, you know, let's say Tom and I are working with a client and they're writing content for them. And, you know, they're, they're generating a lot of traffic to a couple articles on their blog, for example. Sometimes that's where the, you know, Tom, that's where the, that's where the lead sort of ends. You don't know, you don't always know how to convert that. Um, yeah. Client doesn't know how to convert that. What, and the, and the person reading that article doesn't know what to do next. So that was really interesting to think about, like, you've got an article on some aspect of the UCC or trust in estates or whatever, and it's a high traffic article, a big gateway into your site. And you can customize the chat around that particular piece of, of content or subject matter and right. really close the loop on lead generation in a sense where it's like, okay, what do you do next? You, you know, you have this engagement with this um, software, you know, you, you probably don't know it's software if you're on the other side of it necessarily, but, um, but in any yeah. event, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that's a good call. So like, first of all, like the, the no code thing was important to us, right? Mm -hmm. Because lawyer, if, if it's not like Microsoft Word, the lawyers are going to struggle <laughs> to use it. So we wanted to make like real easy and, and uh, very express edits. Like you don't have to go back to a development company and say, hey, I need an apostrophe here. And they're like, sure, we'll charge you like 200 bucks an hour to add an right. apostrophe. But the use case you talk about is really interesting. So um, we don't, build out the product the same way that like a traditional live chat would work. So it's not just like an agent who's available on your main page. We allow people with a subscription to launch as many chatbots as they want to as many pages as they want. So that the use case you talked about, like just putting a specific bot on a blog post or something like that is something that we actually had somebody do the other day. So um, we had a, a new customer come in who is, uh, gets a lot of traffic on the blog and he's, he's like an estate planning attorney, but he wrote a blog on like deportation at one point in a prior practice. He's like, everybody comes to this blog and they're all like, can I deport my husband or wife? And he, and he's like, no, but I can get you an estate plan. So he's like, I just get so much traffic on this. And so we basically built a blog for him, which was like, can I deport my husband or wife? Probably not, but we offered estate planning services. And he's like, I've got like 200 high traffic blog posts and I'll just put 200 bots on those pages. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's a use case that you don't often see in live chat, but it's a great pickup that you made, I think. Yeah. And I think more people should consider this because the purpose of a well-written piece of thought leadership content is to provoke questions or raise issues. A lot of times we're suggesting that attorneys demystify complexity in their writing and more yeah. times than not, they don't. But what a great way to maybe create a little bit of complexity or a little bit of wonder at the end of an article and then allow the bot to come up and bring that person, nurture that lead further into the firm. Now, that's a cool way to think about it, too. Like, it kind of completes the story. Yeah, right. that makes a lot of sense. And, and it's true, like, lawyers are like, and we, we go through this when we script out these bots with lawyers, and we built out a lot of playbooks for specific practice areas. But, like, lawyer is always like, okay, here's why I want you to ask the person if they've been involved in a tort. And I'm like, I have terrible news for you. No one knows what a tort is right. except for you. <laughs> so let's <laughs> phrase this in a different way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Interesting. Um, well, yeah, well, that's cool. So, yeah, I encourage everyone to check out Gideon Software if uh, they want to understand a little bit more about um, this this product and, and its various uses. Um, all right, so, Jared, let's shift gears. 
another thing we, we talk about in the context of content marketing is podcasting. We help clients set up podcasts um, from a strategic and just a technical standpoint. Um, you've been in it, as you mentioned, for 13 years now, 14 years, glowing on that. Like, what's your, what's your take on sort of the evolution and current state of the podcast market in legal in particular, especially as it relates to like law firms and lawyers? Um, are, is it, are we still in the early stages? Is, are you know, people doing it well, effectively? Like, where, what, do you, what kind of the take do you have on the market? I mean, I think it's still a good time to get into podcasting for a law firm. Like, I think there are a lot of law adjacent podcasts, right? Like mm-hmm. mine, like yeah. yours. Yeah. And people who were like consultants or who work with law firms were on this way before the law firms were. And a lot of those podcasts are fairly mature at this point. And I think the production values are often a lot higher. But for law firms, I'm starting to see some investment in like the firm podcast, right? Whether it's like, one attorney or one partner who's doing it or like they're trying to do something with the whole firm and those are getting better and better. Um, I think it's a great way to market. And the thing I like about podcasts is that like you don't necessarily have to be attached to it in the way that you're attached to watching a video or reading content. Like if I'm trying to read a blog post and mow the lawn, I can't do that. But most people I talk to who listen to my podcast, they're like, I was working out and I was listening to your show or I was doing the dishes and I had it on iTunes or whatever. And that kind of ubiquity I think is really important. And uh, I think like I know of very few law firms at this point who have really viable, consistent and good podcasts. So if there's a law firm out there thinking that the market is uh, already saturated, it is definitely not. And you guys probably know like consistency is the biggest problem that a lot of law firms have. Like they'll be like gung ho to do a podcast they'll record eight episodes and then they'll fall off the map. And yeah. I haven't seen law firms regularly do quality podcasts. So I'm a, I'm a big advocate of it and they keep growing in popularity. Yeah. And I, I think, yeah, consistency. And the other thing we see is um, appropriate expectations too, right? Where it's, you know, you're, the objective for a law firm should not be a huge listenership. I mean, that would be a happy, like, <laughs> right. happy accident. But it's like, have it for a specific audience, target market, you know, position yourself as a thought leader. And, and frankly, use it as a business development tool by inviting people who you want to serve as clients on your show kind of thing. So um, yeah, I think you need to look at it from the right standpoint and not yeah. try to be Joe Rogan. Yeah, you probably don't want to pitch and be like, hey guys, I've got the next cereal on my hands. Right. It's going to be a lot of disappointment. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing I always like to think too is you got to think in terms of what is the end goal, like you're suggesting, right? And so we have all of these tools in our arsenal and just because a competing firm or other firms out there have them, like you wouldn't go to somebody and say, hey, we need a firm website. And the response would never be, well, everybody else has websites, right? (laughs) This is a necessary component to your content marketing for the reason you just stated. So many of the people that lawyers are quote unquote marketing to either are too busy to read they have a preference for audio or just because the format allows you to do two things. One you already referenced is it allows for passive consumption. So I can do other things while I'm listening. I can be driving, you know, when we get back to commuting, I can exercise, I can cut the lawn, but it's also while it's passive, it's entirely immersive. Like you are putting on the podcast explicitly to listen to the podcast, not the way you would put background music on just to set a mood or whatever. So you really have, the attorney has a prospect's undivided attention for a period of 30 minutes. And just because somebody else is doing that as well, it's not an excuse to say, well, it's, it's being overdone. 
That was a great point. And I thought you did that in a much more professional way than I did. Passive consumption. I should probably use that rather yeah. than just saying mowing the lawn. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, I'm kind of a big omni-channel guy too. And, and my impression is that like consumers now, especially their attention so divided, you never know what your lead's preference is going to be for consuming information. So if it's not like a massive problem to produce like three or four different avenues for them to learn about your firm, that's not a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it also, it is, it is true. It's, you know, you, you'll get to know the podcast hosts in a way that you never will by reading their content or checking out their website bio. There's, there's that just, I don't intimacy, I guess, between um, listener and host that you can't get through most other forms of content. Um, totally. Yeah. So uh, I, I, I'm interested in asking you this, Jared, because, you know, like, like me, you are a lawyer, uh, but you're now in consulting. Um, I guess what, and, and there's probably more of, of people that are practicing law that, that sort of think about like a switch into consulting and um, then, then we know <laughs> about there's, there's probably a ton. Um, and obviously, you know, grass always looks greener, but I guess tell us about your experience and would you do anything different if you had to do it over again? No, it's funny. Like I would say like 75% of the lawyers I talk to are like, man, your job seems really cool. Could I yeah. get into that? And then there's so many lawyers who are like, I have a consulting firm and they talk to like one or two people a year. Right. There are very few people who like actually do this well, I think. And you guys are, you're one of them. Like, I think it's hard to like establish a presence in this industry because we're both lawyers, right? Yeah. And the lawyers who are going to hire consultants, like one of their first questions is, well, what do you know about practicing law? Yep, <laughs> if you exactly. can say you're a lawyer, it helps. So like, would I do anything differently? No. Um, I, I, I practiced law like as a lawyer, a real lawyer for like five years, but I didn't, I didn't want to practice law. So when I was in law school, they were like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I think I'd like to be a consultant for lawyers. And they were like, you should probably try to find a real job. And I was like, okay, thanks. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I, I, I tried out the practice mostly to get experience for when I could do the consulting. So this was always the plan. And then kind of the deviation for me was software. Um, just because like it's so scalable, it's such a wide open market. And I actually really enjoyed doing both things. Um, and would I change anything? No, I've had a really good experience as a consultant to lawyers. I think lawyers are really intelligent. They're a good group to work with. And I'm very happy with where things landed. Um, Tom, any uh, final thoughts I, before we let Jared go and I head to the beach? <laughs> um, well, the rest of my questions have to do with James Taylor and Yacht Rock. But yes. Jay, just real quick, I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. How would you answer the question that you just posed to Jared? Oh yeah, no, I think I like I think, it. That's good. Yeah, no, I think same way. I mean, I practiced a bit longer than than Jared, although I was doing both things at once for a while too. I had my own small law firm and I had my consulting practice. Yeah, and that was that. Yeah, that was interesting. Um, until like until my wife and I we had one small child at the time and then found out um, that she was pregnant with twins and then that what something had to go so the law practice went at that point. Um, and, uh, but no, same way. I mean, I, I found it to be very interesting. I did not, um, I did not have any thought of going into consulting before maybe at five or six years into the practice of law. So it was sort of like a point where I was thinking, all right, am I going to make a career of the practice of law or do I want to try something different? And at the time I didn't have any kids and it was a little bit easier to sort of make the jump. Um, but, but yeah, no, I wouldn't do anything different either. It's been a, it's been a good, interesting experience. 
um, to, to kind of, you know, be on both sides of the, uh, of the profession in, in this capacity now as a consultant. But, uh, but yeah, it's the same thing. I mean, I, I do get a lot of clients saying, oh yeah, you know, I do coaching, I do consulting. I think that's, seems, seems great when they're in the midst of some, you know, putting some fire out for a client uh, in litigation or something like that. But everything's got its own cha- unique challenges. And, and I, I miss some aspects of practice of law, but no, I wouldn't do anything different. It's ruin everything, don't they? It's crazy. Yeah. Like, I know, I know. <laughs> well, um, all right. So I have one last question for Jared because I am not a former attorney, but I'm a recovering English major. I was an English major too. Oh, well. We got a lot to talk about later. You'll love the next question then. I'm curious because <laughs> um, we talked about your about Gideon. Uh, we mentioned Red Cave, but there's. Mm-hmm. are you tired of telling the story of why you uh, named your consultancy Red Cave? Oh, I mean, no, I am not. Um, and Good. it's it's a pretty obvious theft probably from Plato's Allegory of the Cave. So I just, I wanted like, I wanted a company name that had like a color in it. I thought that would be cool. And then like I came up with this concept of like in the Allegory of the Cave, right? You're sitting in a cave and you're seeing like shadows on the wall of real shapes. So I thought like, what would happen if you like left the cave and saw the world that this is? And then you look back what does that cave look like? So I tried to design the logo out of that. Like you're leaving the cave, you're seeing real things, not just forms. And then you can like take a look back and say, that's where I came from. So that's kind of how I came up with the name and designed the company, mostly because I'm a super obnoxious former English major as well. <laughs> I tell yeah, people on, that all on, the time. Only only two English majors. And, and so that's you two guys would, would uh, refer to the obviousness of the, uh, the analogy to Plato's <laughs> allegory of the cave. Oh, yes. It's such a cheap taste. <laughs> Simply, cheap Greek philosophy take. I'm ashamed <laughs> and embarrassed. Right. Yeah. Everyone just like, it's so obvious, Jared. So <laughs> but does that speak to what you just, you were both just describing, you know, having left the profession and now looking back with a different perspective on how you consult with attorneys? Or did for I just, me, yeah, go ahead. No, for me, totally. Like, because one of the reasons I hated practicing law was because I was working on like Saturday mornings and I was like, this is inane. I don't need to be working on Saturday mornings. The only reason I'm working on Saturday mornings is because these other old attorneys I'm working with are working on Saturday morning and they're so inefficient. I was like, couldn't I work like a normal schedule if I actually used technology and was efficient? And so now, like 20 years later, that's why I work with law firms on. Right. Yeah. So yeah. yes, I've, I've, I've firmly exited the cave and it's in the rearview mirror. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I'll leave my uh, James Taylor questions for offline, Jay. So Okay. All right. We'll Good. All right. Well, Jared, give us uh, I point people to where they can kind of learn more about you. Give us some URLs and, and places to check out so they can, uh, you know, find out and start consuming your content. Yeah. So uh, two places you can find me. Uh, if you go to Gideon.legal, G-I-D-E-O-N.legal. Um, you can schedule a demo for the chatbot product. And then uh, the consulting stuff is at redcavelegal.com. Okay, and cool. And that's where you can and, uh, read all about Plato. All right. And so <laughs> we'll, we'll include that, plus your podcast links and all that in the show notes. But um, hey, it was cool. A, a lot of fun talking to you today, Jared. I appreciate you coming on. This yeah. is fun. Thanks, guys. Yeah. All right. Good. And I look forward to um, you know talking to you again in a couple months, maybe on your podcast. We're going to do the home and home. Okay. Watch out. I like it. All right. Good deal. Well, thanks uh, everybody for listening and we'll be back next week with another episode. Thank you for listening to the Thought Leadership Project. 
For show notes, additional resources, and links to the tools discussed on today's episode, visit thethoughtleadershipproject.com.